you so much for tuning in to She's All Over the Place with Kiriaki. That's me. Welcome, welcome to She's All Over the Place. So excited to have you here today. I am so excited. I have an artist on. He's from New Mexico and living in West Hollywood, California. Jordan Brody. He has a new song called Slay. And we're going to talk about that today. In addition to um, being a mental health advocate. And we're also going to chat about LGBTQA community. So with no further ado, Jordan, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Katie. I'm really excited to be here. My pleasure. We are here to provide a lot of value and insight and be raw and real with you. Um, You know, share some stories about how it is to be an artist, the up, down, in between and everything that goes along with it. There's no, you know, there's no degree on life and um, some of the experiences we go through as humans. So that's why we have the podcast to bring this value to you to share in an authentic way. So Jordan, what's up? Not much, just chilling here in West Hollywood. Very cool. Love that. So you have a new song. It's called Slay and it's actually coming out August 11th. So at the end, we're going to play it. We'll be able to hear it before it even comes out. So that's so exciting. Uh, I'm really excited that we're going to play it. Daily Wood Radio. It's in the app store. It's my friend's um, app and radio show and it'll be playing like the day before like all day on his um station too so i'm really excited that it'll be premiered on your your show first and then it'll be on daily wood the next day so i'm very excited it's been a really long time since i put out a new song i've been recycling old songs during the pandemic because I've been working on rebranding myself. And so I've been re-releasing old songs and with my name, Jordan Brody. I used to work with a stage name, had several stage names, but I'm done with stage names. Who knows? I still might pull out some of my stage names as like alter egos and performances or videos, stuff like that. Because some of my friends love them. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited. I took a break publishing and performing music because... I got sober and I was performing a lot in bars and nightclubs Mm. before I got sober. So I took break for about two years. I only did like two or three performances in two years and then put out a song like maybe three years ago. But this is, those songs were songs I wrote a long time ago. This song I wrote two months ago and then I recorded it in the studio two weeks later and now it's going to be out for everyone in a month. The shortest time frame that I've written a song had it produced and had it out to anyone. Those are great goals. I love that. Yeah, I'm really excited because it's one of my goals. I write a lot. I'm always Mm -hmm. right. Like I get inspired a lot and I would like to get my system down to where like I record a song and I get it out to people right away because it's fresh. It's like music to me is like fashion. Like you can express yourself in shirts and clothing, like how you're feeling. If you're in a bad mood, you can wear a few t-shirt, you know, or like, so you can wear a t-shirt that, um, anyway, so yeah. And so music to me is like that. It's like a status update. It's like, I'd like to get it to where it could be like a status update for me. Like, this is how I'm feeling. Let me put this song out for you guys, you know, cause it's expression. Like for me, like I, this song means a lot to me. It's called Slay. I wrote it about a guy I had a crush on at the park that I would work out at during the pandemic. And we just kind of would check each other out. Yeah, his name's Slay. I had the biggest crush on him. Oh my gosh. Because I was going through a lot. I mean, Katie and I both lost a friend during the pandemic. And my brother died a month afterwards. And so I kind of dove into workaholism after their passing. I don't know about you, but I just was working my butt off. I didn't do anything stupid. I didn't like use any of my addictions, which I'm really proud of. I just dove into working a lot and I wasn't doing therapy and I would have these moments where I would just be still and silent and I would just start crying. Yeah, but I wasn't, it's because I wasn't processing it. So I'm Mm -hmm. in therapy now and I'm processing everything. Yeah. But I was sitting at the park one day and I just was like kind of crying and this guy slayed like saw me and he looked like he wanted to run over to me and it was really sweet. And anyway, I eventually worked up the nerve to talk to him. I wasn't sure if he was gay or straight and 
he told me his name's Slade and like he's from Kansas. But I found out he has a boyfriend and I respect relationships. They've been together four and a half years. I found out from his boyfriend that that's his boyfriend. So I'm not going to mess with that, but he did help me inspire this song. And I believe nothing happens by coincidence. And I think that's music and art as its finest because sometimes I, you guys might relate to this artist, other gay people, anyone that gets a crush. Sometimes when we get a crush, we feel really, really lonely in our crush because it's in our head. We want to talk to everyone about it, but then they're like, stop talking to us about your crush. Like my friends, they get annoyed. All I want to do is talk about my crush. And then you just kind of like, you're in it and you're living in it. I was feeling this crush because it was a quarantine. We were all locked up for a while and I finally got out to go to the to park and work out and here's this really handsome, very nice man. And Anyway, like, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to him. I think he started working at a gym because I don't see him anymore, but, uh, but I got this song out of it. Nothing is wasted. I don't believe in failures. Everything is feedback and there's always something you can pull from everything. And I've only been realizing it the last four days katie asked me how i'm doing and honestly my heart has been hurting the last mm-hmm. four or five days like and i don't know what's causing it and it comes in and, and it goes so i tried acupuncture yesterday and um it did help and i got some chinese i've been wanting to try these chinese herbs so i got this she gave me some and i feel it's helped for sure they put these like patches on my chest like i don't know if you can see that but anyway so it was really i feel good but then i'm sitting there because this song's coming out it's coming out and um thinking about the lyrics so the lyrics go like slay me baby come and slay my heart take me because I'm dying to tear it apart. And it's interesting because when I wrote the song, I thought it was all about slave, like trying to seduce this man, right? That's what the song was. But now that I'm recognizing this pain in my chest and thinking about what I've, we've went through with the loss of Chase and my friend, my brother, I was in a lot of pain and I was wanting someone or something to take the pain away. So it's not even really about a relationship. It's kind of sad. And to me, I think it's the perfect time to put the song out because we've all been locked up for like a year and a half. And the song is about asking people to come into your lives, like slay my heart, like come into my life, love me. Like let's open up our hearts and allow each other to slay each other's hearts and like kill it, like kill us each other with our love. Like let's open up our hearts. Let's build this community of abundance and love and not be afraid to like slay, like kill it. Like, and I think some people are shy about how they share their love with each other, with their friends, their family. And so when I wrote this song, I got this, I don't know if y'all remember when Rain On Me came out by Lady Gaga. It was in the middle of the pandemic. That song, like just, it made me so happy. Like I was dancing all around West Hollywood by myself. All the nightclubs were closed. I put my headphones on and I would like walk in the streets like for like hours listening to that song. It was, it gave me so much life, rain on me. Cause it was just so beautiful. It was like, iconic moment Gaga and Ariana they were talking about leaning on each other and loving each other and supporting each other because her and Ariana have both been through and I thought the message is so beautiful like rain on me you can cry on like we can be there for each other and I thought that's beautiful and so that's kind of why I got the same excitement that's why I'm so excited about the song the same excitement feeling wise the feeling this song gave me when I wrote it and when I was singing it around West Hollywood I, I practice my song like out I was feeling the same feeling Rain On Me gave me Mm. so I'm really excited and I hope it helps people like because the gay community is so marginalized and addiction runs rampant in the gay community and mental health problems run rampant in the gay community and I just hope this song just like a ray of light just bam like attacks the gay community and like wakes us all up like a a shot to the heart you know Mm. that's my prayer with this song and I'm gonna have a I'll do my first show in the gay part of West Hollywood with this song I've been talking to the promoter of a bar in West Hollywood which one revolver in West Hollywood so we'll be doing a show on the 12th it's a release party some of my friends are gonna perform we're gonna have um, some performers lined up 
but check on my social media when you listen to this and and we're going to have some really cool performers and you'll get to see the music video. It's the best music video I've done so far like so are you gonna do um maybe like a a three or four minute video to just give an explanation of the meaning of the song because the message of the song is I didn't pick that up when I listened to it so but by hearing what you're saying it just makes such great sense and you as an artist it's so beautiful for example I did my book and then I did a separate video on YouTube just like a four minute video explaining um, the heart and the meaning of the book and I feel like I definitely I hope you're gonna do like some kind of three to five minute video on YouTube and then put it on the social media so people can know the message of love and slang and let's get rid of this toxic crap and the manipulation and all this, you know, secrecy and the isolation just to open up and like slay past, you know, with like a sword to slay past. That's a great idea. And I will definitely do that. You need to. A lot of people think pop music is superficial, right? Like they think it's like, because this song is bright and upbeat, like, so it has a fun beat and you can dance to it. But the message, if you actually pull apart the lyrics of any pop song and you think about the person that is singing it, like Lady Gaga or Ariana Grande or Katy Perry, and you think about them and what they're going through, a lot of the songs are really sad, but we're dancing to it and we don't really know. And there's a deeper message behind a lot of pop songs. And that's why I like Lady Gaga so much. She brought, she was trying to bring like fine art to like pop music. Which well, is- she did. She, she did. And she, she didn't try. She did she it. Girl did, did it. She changed the game because now everyone has, if they want, she brought, the, she leveled up pop music. So like a lot of people were like Ariana and like a lot of other pop stars putting more into their work now because of her. Like, and mm-hmm. so. Were you in West Hollywood when Apple was around on Robertson? Apple. It's when, yeah, it was called um, Apple. It's across the street from the Abbey. It's called Apple and Gaga performed on like a really small stage. It was like two feet. (laughs) Was that the show Coswell was DJing? No. Ironically, Coswell's DJing the night like that I am doing Revolve because he does the show before. But anyway, no, I don't remember Apple. Okay. I, don't, I wasn't around for that oh, yeah. time. Yeah, but um, th- that's when uh, Gaga was uh, performing and I saw like her pre- her energy and her presence and everything. It was it was really, really cool. Um, But yeah, when you go to do your performances, like I don't know like what you're going to be saying and stuff, but like before the song, after the song, whatever, like let the people know, like wake up and like let them know what you just shared, that heart and soul because they're going to be like, and they're just going to want to implode and share it with so many people when they understand the meaning of the song. I, I, it's so beautiful. Thanks. I love that idea. I'm definitely going to do that. You can't just um, be like an artist going on stage, performing and leaving, like looking good. Like you have to like look amazing, but then like let them know. And it's a part of the reason why I wrote this song is I really, really, really want to connect with people. Like I've been feeling isolated for so long. And I don't know about you, but when I'm in pain and I feel that pain in my chest, that's why this song, it's like, like I've, I've been craving someone coming into my chest with like a pressure washer, cleaning out the pain, just cleaning it out. Like I want someone to get in there and Gun it out. Like, that's the vibe of Slay. Get it out. Get the pain out. Slay my heart. Like, connect with people. Open up our hearts to each other. And I think I definitely want to share that. And I'm so glad we're doing this and that you're asking me to do that and suggesting it for me because I think you're right. It will help me connect with the people who show up at the the premiere. Yeah, you're the ripple effect because I want to scream right now what you told me because you and everyone, they're feeling isolated. They want to connect. They want to roar out of their skin. If they don't know that they want to, it's because they're so numb and isolated and frozen from the pain that you need to go in there with like an ice pick to like wake them up. So go in there and show your... You know, you get it. I get it. I get it. I don't know about you, but I walk around West Hollywood, you know, 
we're lucky. We've gotten to travel a lot. We have friends in a lot of places. Like I get to go to New York and see my friends there. I've been to Chicago, I've been to Miami. Like you walk around the world, you walk around all these cities and people are just like on their phones, in their own little world. And I'm not saying everyone because it's a horrible generalization to say everyone's doing it. Not everyone is doing that. And phones are a part of your community now. You know, I connect with people on my phone. I connect with people on Facebook, on social media. I'm not going to be one of those people that's going to be like, oh, phones are bad. Like they have helped me. Technology has really helped me feel connected with people all over the world. And it's helped me build my community because I'm such a niche person, like as like a feminine gay boy to meet other guys like me. It's helped that social media has helped me really connect with a bunch of people all over the world that are just like me. Where, which communities? Where? Where? Like, okay, so there's Desmond is amazing in New York. There's Santi in London. There's, uh, he's a dope artist. I met him on Clubhouse during uh-huh. the pandemic. And, and then we were talking and I was interested in Luxembourg during the pandemic because, okay, this is a part of my demographic. There's 29 countries in the world that have laws protecting LGBTQIA rights. And that's a lot, but there's 189 countries registered on the planet. So that's only like a very small percentage of countries that have rights protecting people like myself and trans people. And it's not even really trans people. It's mostly gay and lesbian rights. Trans people, like the numbers are smaller. When I was doing my business plan and my marketing plan, trying to figure out my demographic, who I'm going to market to for my Be Your Selfie bracelet, and for my music, because I want my music to be catered for the gay world, for feminine gay men. Like, I feel like there's enough artists trying to make music for cis men. There's enough artists trying to make music for cis women. There's enough straight artists making music. You know what I mean? There's a lot of queer artists too. There's a lot of LGBTQ people. But for a while, I was trying to be a gay artist that was universal, that was writing music for everyone. Yeah. And I wasn't getting anywhere. So I'm writing the music for gay men. And if other people like it, which they will, they like it. But my the target is this little niche. I I created an avatar called Derek. Mm. And Derek is like this gay boy. He's like a teeny bopper. He likes glitter. He likes fashion. He likes to play with Barbies. He's very feminine boy from like the Midwest. And he's lonely and he wishes he could meet other people like him. That's my demographic. He loves Britney. He loves Gaga. Like it's pretty much me as a child, but like it's pretty much my younger self. It's my mm-hmm. demographic. Yeah. And so that's my demographic. And I want to cater all my content towards being a role model for this demographic being like a Britney but that's a boy and a girl for this guy I think at a young age I had a lot of like I had Britney I had Madonna I had these women these powerful women who spoke up like for women's rights and Madonna paved the way for me for like a lot of queer people and so I respect that and but we didn't have like men doing it for us like Elton John wasn't really out of the closet publicly like I didn't even know he was gay until I moved to Hollywood and like you meet people behind the scenes I didn't know so what I'm saying is I don't think there's enough men that take this stance of like there are LGBTQ artists that are really popular but like even Kim Petras like I wish she would do a little bit more advocacy work and like talk out she has started to she's been performing at like Outfest and stuff but to each their own I respect her I love her she has an amazing career but I just what could she say what more could she say trans you know like she's been trans she's the youngest person to be on tv she has an achievement as a young the people who do not know her and what does that exactly mean most it means that she started transitioning at a young age because she knew when she was young and it's controversial because a lot of people think you need to wait till you're 18 but I mean, when I was younger, like I was playing with Barbies. I was a girl, like pretty much. Like I like being a boy that feels like a girl inside because I feel different and unique. So I'm glad I didn't transition. But for some people, they feel this compelling need like to do it at a young age. And and she did it. And it's just how she chooses to represent herself at a young age. And she had a family to represent her. But now she's world famous for her music. A lot of people don't even know she's trans because she's so gorgeous. She's such a beautiful woman. 
and you can't even tell. Like, that's the thing. Like, so a lot of people don't know, just like a lot of people don't know Elton John is gay, which is shocking. But in the Midwest, there's a lot of people that don't know Elton John's gay. And it's because if you just hear someone's music and you see like a picture of them or you read an article about them, you don't know. So I just wish if she could, like the HRC has these things called Youth Ambassadors, the Human Rights Campaign. It's mm-hmm. um, one of the biggest not LGBTQ nonprofits. They uh, lobby for our rights in D.C. They have a, a lobby, like a political branch, and then they have like a nonprofit branch. It's a political branch. They have they actually pay for a lobbyist full time in D.C. to be like pushing like LGBTQ bills and rights and stuff like that. And then um, they have the nonprofit side, which is doing things for the community. They're like at every Pride Festival. They're the ones with the blue and yellow equal sign. Like you can't miss them. I'm actually a youth ambassador for the human rights campaign. And I got to meet a lot of trans activists like Brendan Jordan. I met Brendan Jordan at HRC event. And then like Adam Rapone was there like speaking. And, um, and then like the first men cheerleader in the NFL, his name's Quincy, I believe. I met him. Brown, she speaks out for trans rights. She was like, speaking out on Fox like a few years ago. I met all these people and they're all advocates. They speak out. You know, Kim could like do a speech at the HRC or something Mm -hmm. like that. You know, like that's all like she would really need to do because it would be posted everywhere. Like everyone would see it. And like I, a lot of these and Jazz Jenny, I met Jazz Jenny there. Um, I was a lot of, I talked to Jess, I talked to some other really popular trans advocates. I asked them if they know who Kim Petras was. They didn't know who she was. And I was like, what? Like, cause that's what I'm saying. So maybe that's how they're doing it. Maybe everything's timing. So maybe she will be that voice, but she, she's still very young. So, and her career is like, you know, booming in the, in the community. It was a conscious choice for her. I actually watched an interview about it because I had the same issue when I moved to Hollywood. I'm myself and I choose to be myself. Choose not to put a mask on myself. Now I do. But when I first moved to Hollywood, people were telling me that I would never make it as an artist if I was feminine gay and I tried I tried to brainwash myself by watching straight porn and like turn my I literally tried to brainwash myself I lost myself for a while because I'm so passionate about my career and my music that I was willing to do whatever it took but I lost myself in the process there's that pressure right and when Kim first started coming out of the scene of Hollywood and stuff people were saying kind of the same thing to her they would say oh you're trans like you're like, we don't want to like, that was the thing. She was being um, ostracized a little bit. So she made a conscious choice early in her decision that she wanted the focal point of all of her conversations with people in the industry to be about her music. Mm. So she, It's about the music. Because at the end of the day, the music industry is about music. Mm-hmm. It's not about advocacy or anything else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The artist, it's about the music. The music has to be good. If the artist does advocacy as well, then that's great for them. That's their platform. They can do that. But the music is what's being sold on online. People are coming to shows to hear the music. In her marketing, she's marketing her music. She's not marketing her trans position or like her identity her gender pronouns so and i respect that like it's everyone's choice of what they choose to put out to the world and what they choose not to and maybe one day she will speak up and she has been she's been doing like she's been stepping it up lately and 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 in a way she's paving the way for all of us because that's a really brave thing to do it mm-hmm. and i'm sure it was hard for her to make that decision but um i read a lot i'm always watching when i meet a new artist and i love them i look up them up i just met vincent at the west hall at the park like a few weeks like a week really ago. nice is this really sick lgbtq singer songwriter um if you want to be an advocate the best thing to do is start locally like in your and i'm talking like in your you know you start in your house and then you start in your neighborhood and then you start in your city and then you can go to the state and then you can go to the world but first you have to find your truth your voice you have to figure out who you are like and really take time to reflect and write and journal and think about like 
do a vision board and think about who you really are and who you want to be with no inhibitions. If you had no inhibitions, no one telling you that's stupid, that's dumb, this is not cool. Like if you had all those voices in your head and all the bullies disappeared off the planet and you could do and be whoever you want to think from that space and write down, create a vision board, write down who your ultimate creature is that you want to be and write it down, envision it and write it and soak in it, bathe in it. Take, like think about it, do some meditations about it. Find who you are first, because that is the most important thing. You can't really be an advocate unless you really have a passion for like protecting who you are. Like that's mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I do it for me. Like, yeah, I'm advocating. My advocacy helps my community and everyone around me. Yeah. But I'm doing it for me because I want to be able to marry the man that I fall in love with when I fall in love with. And I want to feel safe with him. Mm -hmm. When I go to the park, when I go to the grocery store, I want to be able to adopt children and have a home with someone that I love. That's what I want to do. And it's been so hard because I keep meeting people and falling in love with them and they're a drug addict or like, it's like in the gay community, drug addiction runs wild. So that's why I'm so passionate about this. It's life for me. It's like life and death, really. I mean, like- That's what life is, life and death. (laughs) Yeah, there's some countries where people still get killed for like being someone like me. And I only know because people tell me on the internet, like um, how lucky I am. Yeah, you have a privilege to be able to speak out and take all this frustration and the things within yourself and you have opportunities with the events to be on the mic so start roaring for yourself and for the people yeah definitely i love that it doesn't you can be straight and be an advocate too like there's because your advocate isn't just for like lgbtq rights there's straight people you're an advocate katie's an advocate like yeah like if you find what you're passionate about like maybe your mom had cancer when you're little and you want to do advocacy because you felt like Maybe the the hospital staff weren't taking the best care of her. So you want to do advocacy for hospital, better care for people, cancer patients. That's like a powerful message. But first you find out who you are, you think about your experience, and then you like start locally. So you you just start by like telling maybe some of your friends and family about it. By the way, a lot of them will not be on board. They may not jump on the train and that's okay. You're practicing with them. They might even tell you, try to squash your dreams, but you don't listen to them because you know who you are. Like for me, I did start, I went to the Time to Thrive conference, which um, the human rights campaign, and I met a bunch of other LGBTQ advocates. And I only fell into that because I found out So every city in the United States, and I'm not sure other countries how they're set up, but every city in the United States has what's called like a city council. And then they have like a board, uh, board members, the mayors usually go, but they meet once a week Mm. when they're in session. And anybody in that city can just go to the meeting. It's open to anyone in the public and you can talk, get a slip and get a three minute talk, like a share. You can talk about whatever the if you want in that three minutes in regards to what you want for your city. That's our voice. That's our power. People are so focused on the president. It's not the most important. It's a really important role in our government. But you, this country is really set up for us. And people forget that. People forget the power that we have. Once you find who you are and that advocacy and that fire, you can go into a city council meeting and present your idea to people and get some people in city council that believe in what you're doing and they'll help you get stuff started. I have a friend who is, um, she's in one of my Toastmasters meetings. She's in Hawaii and she was Miss Hawaii Universe or something. During the pandemic, she realized Hawaii is one of only five states in the United States that doesn't celebrate Juneteenth, which was the day slavery got canceled And um, she basically thought, she's like, okay, what am I going to do with my platform as Miss Hawaii? Like, let me try and do something for this. Great. So she learned, how do I write a bill? She Googled it. She was like, how do I write a bill? How do I get a bill going? And then she put it together and she went to to a city council meeting and she presented her ideas and she got lobbyists, she got people on board and they were voting on it a few months ago. I don't 
know what the status of the vote was, but she did that. It's an idea and it's an energy and where attention goes, energy flows. So what, like you said, do the self-work, the vision boards, get going on with what's happening in, on the inside. It has to start at the local level. Like it's yeah. like, you have to start with you. If you want to be the, cha- if you want to see a change in the world, you have to be the change. Mm-hmm. And then you, and then you can get people on board. Like that's at how I've stood out. Like there's also a board of educators meetings, there's all kinds of boards of that you can go to and you can speak. I really want to see more of like LGBTQ history in kids' classes. So they feel when you're a kid, the school system and the books you read in school are this like authority. You're like, oh, wow, it's, it's in the history book. It must be official. You know, like you respect it. It, it has a certain amount of respect as a child from that perspective. If LGBTQ history is not in this book, they're not getting that kind of respect for our, our past. The truth, the education. Yeah, and then kids are going, LGBTQ youth, it's not being mentioned in sex education classes. They're not being represented in sex education like curriculum. So where are they going to learn about sex? They go on the Google uh, thing, yeah. uh, trans sex. They're not finding They're- healthy sex practice. And that's how kids are getting addicted to porn so young. It's like- But when you're a kid, you don't even know that word, trans sex, when you're a kid, you know? like, And when you're a kid, it, uh, I was sharing with you, like when you're a kid, it's like you're already getting those butterflies and nervous about just like- the idea and fantasies of like, you know, getting primal with maybe another human being. Then another layer is maybe like with the, you know, with with the same sex or um, transitioning. It's a very, very confusing time. Like, and so it's, you know, already difficult for a straight person to communicate those things at a young age. So, you know, it's so hard to, to have that conversation. So there definitely needs to be a space where people can share and feel the kindness and the compassion and without being judged to explore because it's like there's so many different things going on it's like hard to keep up and to know and there's like always like a new thing and it's like so it's like how do you know what's truth and what's not which takes me to off your instincts being in the community deep in any reflection of are there any myths of like what not to say, what isn't true that maybe a lot of people say, and it's like, get rid of this belief or this script. Like this is not it. There's a lot. And that's Time to Thrive Conference, the human rights campaign. That's why it exists. So if you Google Time to Thrive human rights campaign, it's a yearly convention. They move it around. Usually it's in Anaheim, California, but people fly in from all over the country, all over the world, mostly educators are going to learn about what's the best way to teach and talk to LGBTQ people. Cause there's a lot, just saying things like, like if a teacher yells like, Oh, I think that kid's gay. Like, or like, so you'll be surprised what teachers accidentally do and say to LGBTQ youth. And it makes them feel so ostracized and like hurt. And I mean, of course, a lot of them are strong and resilient, but the better people can learn how to communicate. There's a lot of things you don't want to say, like, but I, I'm not, and the best thing to do is like, I mean, if you are getting a thought, like maybe I should or shouldn't say this to this person, then ask, don't just say it. Like say, hey, is it okay if I say this? Or Because people respect you if you ask, but if you just do it first, and then you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know I was supposed to say that. It's too late. You already did it. Mm-hmm. It's, it the, the feeling has already been received by the other person. So it's always better if you're having some type of doubt about whether you should say something like a pronoun or whatever, like ask, what are your pronouns? Like if someone looks like they may be um, female born, but presenting as a boy, you might just ask, what are your pronouns? they them and he she and then just respect that like but don't just assume i've gotten myself in trouble and it's really hard like i have a lot of non-binary friends and they all go by they them pronouns and i call everyone girl i'm like guy girl straight guy like i'm like girl Mm -hmm. like and that can be offensive for them but i'm like tell i have to tell them i'm sorry like i say that all the time there's definitely a lot well i was on um twitter and there was just 
this rivalry going on and it's like because someone's like bro or like girl like you said girl but someone said like bro or like something like that and like people just like attack this person online about it and it was, it was just this back and forth and normally I don't read those kind of things but I was curious so I just wanted to see like what are people saying about this this is why I love like French culture and French like language in the language there's the built-in like familiar and like like other languages have the built-in like you say this to a stranger but you can say this to to your friends or to a family member like I get offended when people talk when a stranger talks to me like they know me or like which is might be my guardedness. Maybe that's why I'm doing the slay thing. I don't want to be called bro by anyone that's like not my brother. It's just the thing that I have because it's like a boundary for me because I don't know, like I've been hurt by people that talk like that. Can I share something with you? Yeah. Growing up when anytime like a guy would say, do you want to hang out? It was like, hang. I don't want to, I don't want to hang out. Like hang. It was just, it was just like one of those pet peeve nerving things. Like, yo, I don't want to hang out. Like, do you want to go to the park or like read a book or like Let's go hang out. Like, but when I was younger, I oh my god, it's annoying. It's like, no, I have things to do. Like, what do you want to do? Just sit around and waste time? Like, let's do something. Like, I love doing things. I'm like, describe an activity. Let's do that. Let's go hiking. Let's go to the park. Or like, it just means that they're interested in you but they don't really want to use their imagination to think of like what they would like to do with you. Or it could just be sexual. Like to turn off. I'm like, if anyone's saying, do you want to hang out? That's your vocabulary. Cause I'm into language. If you're like, yo, do you want to, it's different if you're like, I don't know. It's, it's different if like someone, someone in particular says it, but if it's like someone I don't know and they're like, yo, you want to hang out? It's like, yo, don't you have any like better language you could be using? Like uh- you knew yourself very well at a young age. That's pretty cool that you, you knew that when you were younger, because I feel like I was so disoriented when I was little to even know. But now that I'm in walking in my truth more, I do get irritated when people say that. Like, I agree with you. Communication is everything. And some guys and girls, people struggle with it. And that's why I joined Toastmasters. So what is Toastmasters I, for people? It's a organization, Toastmaster.org. You can find a chapter in your local area. They're all over the world, literally. Like I have some people in our meeting that are like in China and stuff. During the pandemic, they were all on Zoom, but they will um, meet in person. Um, What it is, it's uh, my business coach, Brian Casella, had been suggesting me to do it for a long time. And because he's obsessed with communication. He's a realtor, a sales guy. and His emphasis is communication. Like people struggle with it. If you want to be a really good salesperson, it's really important to have good communication. If you want to be a business person, communication, podcaster, communication, singer, songwriter. Communication is good for everyone and everything. Any business, any job you have, you become good at communicating, you will excel. And so he was always telling me about Toastmasters. I hesitated. It's not free, but it's really affordable. It's only like 40, the dues are like $40 for six months. So what it is, is they meet once a week. It's all about public speaking and communication. Some people's number one fear is public speaking, like over death. Death is like two. Public speaking is like one. So um, it might be a, might be mixed up, but it's up there. It is they, deep. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll do two. So you give it, you choose a pathway when you join. And my pathway is team collaboration because I really want to learn how to work well with others and collaborate because I know that's very important, especially for artist career. There's other ones like creative storytelling. There's other business ones. There's other like more like art ones. And you choose a pathway. I think there's like 11 and there's like five levels and each level has like reassignments and each level usually has about two speeches. It's like a presentation online and it'll teach you how to write a speech about this. And then you prepare a speech. The first one's your introductory speech and usually how the meetings are formatted every week is there's two speeches at the beginning of the meeting and then there's 
to evaluation. So people, some people join because they're business executives or their managers or their leaders in their, their work. And they may be shy at giving constructive criticism hmm. or not really know how to set boundaries or lead their uh, people. And so they wanted to do the evaluation. They're trying to learn how can I give better constructive criticism to my team. And so um, that's there's a lot of business executives in there like that are learning to do that. And then the last part of the meeting is table topics. And it'll be like two to three minutes. And there's someone that runs the table topics. There's a topic for the general meeting and they'll ask questions that are relevant to that topic. And it gives you a chance to just improv for two to three minutes. And um, everyone signs up for roles. It's all volunteer. There's like the uh, timer. They have different roles to learn how to like communicate and work well with other. It's great for people in college that are trying to get that maybe don't have work experience yet because you're kind of working, you know, like I, it's been great. I'm the vice president of education for my Saturday morning meeting and I'm the sergeant in arms for my uh, Monday night meeting. And I'm just getting into it. It's kind of silly. You'll probably be like laughing about it in the beginning because people take it so seriously. But like, and I, I had that, I always have that problem with things like taking things seriously. Like my kickball team, I'm like sitting on the sidelines, like really, why are y'all getting so worked up about this stupid game Um, but it's when you start taking things seriously like you start taking other areas of your life seriously and it's really helped me if you're work if you're looking to improve your communication or anything toastmasters i've heard great things about toastmasters over the years two quick stories one as an actor my background as an actor i saw a lot of kids especially with uh, susan batson people internationally they would come study with susan actors people who weren't actors they would just directors would take acting classes to understand the mind of an actor and people who had fear of public speaking they would do acting classes just to be able to you know memorize and and speak and learn their body so um yeah acting classes or toastmasters sounds great i want to shift into mental health it sounds like doing toastmasters would be really great to get out of your own self and be a part of a community for mental health i think it sounds like it could be really good for people who are struggling to connect with other people what do you think about that definitely because what from i what i've learned about my own condition with what i was diagnosed with when i was younger which like doctors wouldn't even diagnose me with it anymore like i have i don't know if i've healed because the symptoms could probably come back if i don't keep working on myself and, and keep connecting with people there's a few they're called attachment disorders there's like four of them and a lot of a lot of mental health problems and conditions that aren't genetic so it's not like autism it's not like the brain it's not like genetic a lot of some mental health problems come from environment so they're they come from trauma when you're young it's attachment styles so my mother and my dad got divorced when i was three so my attachments were broken. My I it's like when you like I have a cat now, right? My cat is obsessed with me. He follows me around everywhere. We built an attachment. He has an attachment to me. Like he knows my voice. He knows my energy. He comes to me. Like he there'll be a five people in a room and he won't be focused on them. He'll be focused on me. Because we have an attachment. It's like a relationship. When we're younger, it's a, we have an attachment with our parents, our okay. mom dad and you usually only need to have one or two like really healthy you only need a few healthy really strong attachments that my businesses coach is always telling me care about like three or four or five people's opinion only five people should be able to affect your emotional state all the other strangers and people on the planet can just screw off. Like their opinions don't matter and they shouldn't affect your emotional state, but you should allow, have that attachment with a handful of people. I believe a lot of people have really had severed. We're in like the divorce era, like 50%. A large percentage of families were divorced when they were younger and it's caused severed attachments for people when they're younger. And, and what happens is they don't even realize it, but that's the root of what causes a lot of the problems. For me, it was, I found. And so what's really helped me is to like help heal my relationship with my father. Like I've been working really hard on my relationship with my dad and, and then my stepmother and my and my biological mother, 
like I've been working on healing those relationships because um, what I craved as a child was attachment. And if, if you are coming into the world, if your attachment style to your parents is not good, then as you grow up and you go into middle school and teenage and as you get older, your attachment styles seem to reflect those of when you're younger. If you didn't have a good example of what a healthy attachment was as a child, you go to high school, you're more likely to build unhealthy attachments with people, like toxic relationships, bad people. Like you don't, you, you let people walk all over you because you think it's okay. You think you just want friends. You just want to be loved. So you accept all this BS. And um, so that's the thing like that I've learned. And so a big part of mental health and healing Toastmasters um, and acting classes, like anything to connect with people is healing, like in a positive way. That's why I love going to concerts like where everyone loves the same artist because we all listen to the same song. It yeah. all connects to our heart and our soul. And when the song is played and you're in the arena with like a hundred thousand people and everyone's at that energy, it's the most magical thing. That is healing. That moment heals you and it's connection. The collective yeah. consciousness of everyone being with the same essence. I love that. that. I know that, that's been the biggest part of my healing, learning how to go through my traumas, not let the memories of the past project on people of the future. Like I had a problem with this guy named Matt once. And after things went down, anyone named Matt, I would not talk to. And then I was like, you realize that that's stupid. Not every Matt is like that Matt. So, but it's trauma related. And so you, I learned to go through that memory and be like, okay, that's silly. Not every Matt is like this. Like we need to work through this. So not letting the present be defined by my past and allowing myself to have new experiences. Not every new experience is going to be a bad experience. Bad things might happen, but good things are going to happen too. And if I'm controlling my environment, trying not to get hurt, then I'm avoiding good things too. So I was protecting myself, but I was protecting myself from having positive experiences too. Mm -hmm. I was keeping myself from that, but I wasn't having good experiences because I was too afraid. So you have to like go through your trauma. And then also, because once I was able to turn that down and trust people again, I started making good friends. You, you learn who you are, you learn what you like and what you don't like. And you start making your squirrel friends, like people that are like you. My friends and I we're, were squirrel friends because we all like shiny things and we all like nuts. You know, like we're squirrel friends. Like we like maybe like a book, like you are a big fan of a book, join a book club, like find people that like some of the things you like. Even if you're the biggest nerd on the the world, the biggest nerd in the world, what are you nerding out about? There's another person on the planet that nerds up out about what you're nerding out about. Go on the internet, find a chat room, find a meetup.com and Find a, people in your area and you'll build community around that topic. That's why I was so excited about Clubhouse. Clubhouse was so exciting for me because it was people building community based on topics. I fantasize about this business that's kind of like a gym, but it's like they have like meetings all day, but each meeting is like a book meeting. So they'll be like, because I think I've gotten the most liberation for some books. I want to share everything with everyone and I, and I want to hear other people's perspectives about the book too. So like, I think it'd be cool to like have like a book club business every day is like meetings about different books and like on a Saturday you could go maybe you're reading this book right now and you could start a book club about that and then y'all could talk about it and I don't know I just think it's very community is everything yeah Yeah, I think the two topics the LGBTQA plus community and the mental health topic those could be a great book and research topics just if you just did those two niche things alone yeah definitely so you mentioned twice um Oh, like uh, before about your squirrel friends. Well, so first it starts with you were able to trust yourself first and then be able to trust others and then find the squirrel friends. That's really important. We're the ones, uh, we can only change ourselves, our inputs and our outputs. We can't control anyone else around us. Like I can't, we can influence each other by the words we use and the clothing we wear and the actions we take and people will see that and we can influence people into changing. But 
we can only change who we are. It was relevant to what you were saying. We can only change ourselves and like we can't change anyone else. So like we have to focus on ourselves. And the more inward I go in finding who I am, the more people I know out, outside because I know myself. Love and that. I, I know it's been very, very counterintuitive because I thought to make it, I had to like be all out there. Extroverted and then introverted ambivert. So what are one or two things that you can do to go inside and with yourself? I meditate every morning. I Wim Hof, yeah. W-H-M breath. I do this 10 minute breathing session every morning with him. And, um, and then I also, my friend got me into that. And then I do like a 10 or 15 minute meditation, either guide on YouTube based on something I'm going through, I might be like meditation on heartbreak, meditation on anxiety, meditation on breaking attachments. I type whatever I'm feeling that day or what I'm going through. Sometimes I'll just do a frequency. I like the frequency meditations. Like I'll do meditation, frequency, abundance. And then I'll just listen to a frequency for 15 minutes and try to quiet my mind and just try to like and breathe into that. But I do like guided meditations. They serve a purpose for me. And then, but meditation has has been the biggest thing for me like learning how to turn off my brain and like just like reset mm-hmm. I feel like that's when we get connected to, to love the ultimate energy healing on the planet like I feel like it's like resetting a computer we, if the computer's running all the time it'll die like it'll burn out like you have to turn it off sometimes for it mm-hmm. to be healthy otherwise so yeah love those words those are that's a lot of value and insight thank you I have a question do you know Gabor Mate uh, so Gabor Mate, um, I just did a re- um, the wisdom of trauma reflection on the podcast, but I went on a 16, 18 hour binge of Gabor Mate. I'm going to share it with you, but he, go to the, um, just binge him on the YouTube. You're going to learn so much. You're going to love it. You're just going to be like soaking up in so much trauma That's healing. Me. And then you go to um, a, a wisdomoftrauma.com and there's a documentary. So you put in your email so you can sign up because they're doing screenings every few weeks. So I think you would really like that. And then earlier, you were mentioning um, branding because I know you're really bringing big into branding and everything. Robin Graham, uh, she did a podcast on branding. So brand identity and some things you were saying. And um, I think you would really, really enjoy that um, episode and definitely check those out too. um, If you want to know more about like branding and, um, you know, trauma healing and some of the stuff we've been talking about. So we're going to hone it in. All of Jordan's uh, information will be um, in the show notes. So definitely reach out say hello follow Jordan and yeah um, lightning round where's somewhere in the world that you haven't been that you really want to go Luxembourg Malta and I really want to go to France Paris Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have a long list, honestly. So one or two favorite places to go to um, for food in West Hollywood or in the LA area? There's this really good place called True Foods. I love Thai food. There's a good Thai restaurant down the street for me. I just went to Joey. It's called Joey's Cafe this morning. It was really good. It's like good diner. My favorite used to be Kitchen 24. I used to eat there like every day. Also, oh my gosh, Gracias Madres, one of my favorite vegan restaurants. So good. And I'm vegan, so um, Mm -hmm. I can find something usually most places. Okay, so um, do you know um, it's in... uh... Studio City area. It's on Ventura. Cross Street, I think, is Colfax, but it's called Hope. It's H-O-P-E, and it's Thai vegan. It's delicious. I will look that up. Oh, my God. We should go. We'll go together. (laughs) We'll go together. I just recently went with my aunt to this place in Venice called Superba Food. It was so good. Mm -hmm. It was they have one in LA too. And then, so all the performances that you have coming up, will they, someone will be shooting them. They'll be on your YouTube. So people can actually see live performances if they're not in LA and able to see you perform your new song. Yes, I will definitely, every show I do, I always get someone to bring a camera and I can't really like, I haven't toured like in a while. So like I, I try to film everything and get it on my YouTube. It's going to be great to get back on the stages. Woohoo. I'm so happy for you. Um. And so when this is all wrapped up, is it cool if we play the song Slay then? Yes, play it. Okay, cool, cool. And then um, we'll do that. And then lastly, your next song, it's going to be called Moonlight, right? Yes. This conversation we had today is so relevant to Moonlight because Moonlight is a song I wrote 
after the movie Moonlight came out, the one that won the Academy Award a few, like four or five years ago, look it up, it's called Moonlight. It was about this guy, he got into some trouble and he became a gangster. Well, like, um, it was based on a few things, but it's Moonlight, the goal for Moonlight is to be an anthem for people building a new life, for drug addicts and alcoholics, criminals, people who have done bad things and have messed up. And it's the, the chorus goes, I'm still your moonlight. I'm still sweet inside. It's like, I've noticed even in the darkest people, there's still like a really bright light. And that's what Moonlight is about. It, I wrote it after that movie. And I remembered I had this dog when I was little named Midnight. I, for some reason, you know, was newly sober, kind of coming out of like my own psychosis. Remembered the dog being named Moonlight. So I wrote this song about the movie Moonlight and about my dog that when I was eight, I was walking him by my grandpa's house and someone left their dogs out. Midnight was like the sweetest little black lab. He was so sweet, like little puppy, like so nice to everyone. Didn't have an ounce of meanness in him. And then what happened was he got attacked by neighbor's dogs. And I was little, I didn't know what to do. And they were attacking him. I had to like kick the dog and I ran to my grandpa's. He got surgery, he had to get like cone on his head and then afterwards he was all jittery and like skittish and like and then he attacked one of our neighbors mm. when they brought our dog over my parents put him to sleep because they thought he was like a liability and I think I internalized that as a kid and I was really sad about it when I got like two and a half years sober it came up the reason why I bring that up is that's how I've see people with trauma and mental health problems and drug addicts and alcoholics and criminals. I see them as human beings that come into this world with a completely fresh slate and they're born into wherever they're at. They get traumatized. They're jittery and they're using drugs and then maybe like rob people. They do all this crazy stuff. They become criminals and, and or they like become addicts. They hurt their family relationships. They get in trouble. And then the world doesn't have compassion for them because now they're criminals. But they don't see what happened to them when they were little. They don't see the whole picture. They don't see the sweet, sweet core on the inside that we all have. And yeah. that's what Moon, Moonlight is all about. So I am really excited because that song, is not about a guy or a relationship which most of my songs are always about so I'm excited to finally put out a song that's like yeah. not about that I'm glad we're capturing this because yeah. yeah I love the meaning of it I just I mean this could be like a whole nother podcast so we'll definitely have to have you back on but it's just so beautiful and I totally identify with everything you're saying it's just like so on point it's for sure and people just are just so in a rush they don't have the time and the nurture and the care for another human being you know and mm -hmm. and the people who get in the circumstances and then they get hurt, beat down, hurt, beat down. They're so numb and disconnected that why should they be caring, compassionate for another human if, because no one did it for them? You know, exactly. it's like, it's- That's so why sad. we have to be the change. That's we are. why That's That's why it has we to start with you and we're yeah. doing it. Yeah, I mean, and I'm really, I'm excited about Moonlight too because it's, I'm singing in my really high registers which I've never really recorded. And the vocals and the music is so beautiful. It's going to be really cool. And I'm very excited for you to hear it. Like, and now that you know what it's about, it's going to mean even more to you. So yeah, thank you for having me. I'm My pleasure. Grateful. Yeah, I'm so grateful. And especially after I uh, now know the in-depth story about Slay when I hear it again, too. So yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, yeah, uh, thank you so much for uh, being with us. And uh, we will tune in next week on She's All Over the Place. Mwah. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Kiriaki, over and out. <laughs>
Slay, 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 come and slay my heart.